Tuesday, August 13th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Tim Hansen. Good to see you, gents. Hey. Can I, can I say why I'm particularly happy to be here? Tell me why. Because. It's not just because you haven't been on in a while. Well, I was going to say, I thought I was being selected for my own merits. And then, <laughs> and then lovely Susan, who sent me the email, said, hey, can you, can you help us out in New Market Foolery today? And I said, yes. And she said, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Everyone else is out of the office. And <laughs> so I, and you I, might not even have been second choice. You could have been like sixth. 43rd. You know I don't what? even know. You know what? All due respect to Susan, but she does not speak for, for me in that regard, <laughs> nor does she speak for our dozens of listeners who are happy to have you back on. Hey, happy uh, to be here. Uh, particularly given our topic. And I think today. I'm back tomorrow because, again, everyone is out of the office. <laughs> Damn it. I got that same email. <laughs> um. It's, uh, as I said, good you're here because uh, we're going to talk about uh, Europe, which apparently, I, I don't want to jinx anything, but Europe appears to be bouncing back. Uh, we're going to talk uh, what's going on in China for Yum Brands, and uh, it's one of those stop me if you've heard this before kind of stories. But we have to begin with a story we touched on yesterday, and that is the ongoing soap opera as JCPenney turns. Bill Ackman, the activist investor who was... Just at war with the board of directors has apparently taken his ball and gone home. He has resigned from the board of directors, and I just want to just want to read you. This is from the Associated Press story uh, regarding this news. Ackman's departure could provide some relief from a battle that became a distraction while Penny has been working to fix its ailing business, but investors pushed shares down in morning trading as they focused on Penny's long-term struggle to turn the business around. Um, it seems like investors are making the right move here with when you consider the long-term health of JCPenney. But what do you make of Ackman leaving? Well, first, it should be noted this is a historic moment because as, uh, as, as Michelle at Footnoted.org uh, pointed out, one of the few times that a, a director has resigned out of disagreement with the company. Usually you get those 8Ks and it's like, hey, so-and-so had no disagreement. No, you know, everything was fine. <laughs> That's right. And this one's actually like, Bill Ackman had a disagreement with the board. Had a very public one. Um, you know what? I, I think it's hard to take sides here because it's really been a race to the bottom in terms of strategy for both J.C. Penney and then and then Ackman, who came in with Pershing Square and tried to redo some things. Obviously, his handpicked CEO Ron Johnson failed spectacularly. Yes, they bring back the other guy who Mike Allman. Mike Allman, who who starts running things like he used to, and I'm not sure why Ackman ever signed off on that because <laughs> it's it's the guy you ousted right. because you didn't like what he was doing. So now he's coming back. This It, it seemed like an ill-fated situation from the start. And now, um, I think, you know, the most amusing part of this, if you've got some sort of, you know, um, if you like watching Bill Ackman fail spectacularly, <laughs> is is how he's managing this trade, which is like, I, th- I think he still owns 18% or so of the company. And some of it's- The through, last filing I saw Some was. of it's through swaps and things. But yeah. he's got, he stands to lose a lot of money. And essentially, there are other people like Whitney Tilson invested alongside him who are there because he's there. And then he resigns from the board, but he still owns the shares. So he's destroying the value of his own investment along the way very publicly. I, it just seems like a poorly – it's been a bad year for Bill Ackman in, yeah. in, in, in a handful of ways. And I don't know. I mean he seems uh, – you know, Warren Buffett has said that temperament is like the most important thing when it comes to succeeding in investing. Right. Bill Ackman's temperament this year has been – Horrible. The opposite of, of the, Warren Buffett. The opposite of Warren Buffett. Um, yeah, I, I, I it, clearly he was frustrated, Charlie, 
So just from a personal standpoint, I, I suppose I understand that. But I don't know. Did he think that his leaving would send shares higher? Because that's certainly not the case this morning. Uh, I think it was clear that he was a man on an island in the boardroom and that by staying involved, it served no productive purpose, uh, was actually uh, probably a distraction to everyone involved and counterproductive. Uh, and the only way potentially to salvage the value of his shares is to get out of the way uh, and let there be some peace in the boardroom, uh, develop some stability in the executive suite, and maybe a turnaround can emerge uh, once that is in place. I think that's something we saw with Yahoo, uh, which went through years of board and fighting and management turnover. Yeah. Once that ship got stabilized under Marissa Meyer, things turned out for the best. Uh, maybe you can hope for that outcome with J.C. Penney, but J.C. Penney has operational problems and competitive issues on top of the squabbling inside the boardroom. And, and no forty billion dollar Chinese internet company, and that as well on its balance sheet. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, that certainly does help. That Alibaba thing helped Yahoo. Out. That, yes, it did. That <laughs> definitely helped Yahoo. Out. Um, when you guys look at the retail space, is is part of J.C. Penney's challenge here? shared by other sort of general retailers, Kohl's, Macy's, etc. It seems like retail stocks that have done well for investors over the last few years have been specialty retailers. Not necessarily all luxury retailers, coach, that sort of thing, but but is part of the problem here, or maybe a problem is too strong a word, but, but is part of the challenge that they are just a general retailer. Absolutely. If you compete on price... Generally speaking, what JCPenney does, you are competing with Amazon.com, and that's a very, very tough battle. If, on the other hand, you compete on selection or you know limited quantities of or of, brand of, or brand, you know, and you don't license your product to Amazon.com, you don't you don't share that challenge. Frankly, I I don't see, and this is part of why I thought JCP uh, JCP what are they now JCP JCPenney JCP. you know they I mean they're they're struggling to figure out what they are. They tried to become like a hip. Brand, but I don't know. Younger people are, are so accustomed to shopping online, and they tried to bring in things like you know, I think Joe Fresh, like some unique branding opportunities into the store, and, and maybe that would have borne fruit if given a few more years to get established. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen now because the, the old regime is back and probably going to go back to what they know how to do. Um, but J.C. Penney, um, you know, they competed on price, and that's not that's not a war you can win uh, when you have physical stores. Right. I absolutely agree with Tim here. If you look at companies like Nordstrom or Macy's on the high end, those are actually companies that are making quite a bit of money, uh, but they're known for customer service, for example, and uh, selling some premium products you might actually want to get your hands on before buying them online. Uh, not only does a company like JCP have to compete with Amazon, but they're also in the Target space, the Kohl space. Those are mm-hmm. companies that are run very well, uh, and JCP is not, and they're losing for it, and I don't see them turning it around. Do we see Bill Ackman turning around? I, I don't have a, any stake in his success or failure, but it just seems like we were talking about this before we started taping. It seems like the early success he had as an investor with some smaller investments really hasn't panned out over the last few years as he has famously waded into investments like Borders and, and, and Target, among others. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of the issue there is just hubris with how big he goes in and how like guns blazing when he first buys the stock and it kind of uh, you know makes everybody not like him. If these were like small stakes, he's working quietly behind the scenes. It might go a little bit better for him. You're not looking to get a beer with Bill Ackman. No, 
There aren't a lot of people on Wall Street to see who's looking to get a beer with Bill Ackman. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, part of the thing that's gone wrong with Herbalife is all the guys who have lined up to sort of, uh, and it seems like just for their own fun, spite, right. <laughs> take him down. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and and these aren't necessarily bad ideas. Um, maybe some of them were or are, but what what's been shocking to me is how how seemingly irresponsibly he's managed his position sizing and yeah. you know when you're running a I was going to say an 18% investment in JC Well the 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 Herbalife short to me I mean that has the potential to blow up his his entire fund I mean Absolutely. That, that you know he has a fiduciary responsibility and and to me you know the the Herbalife thing the way that was managed presented the size of the position taken um you know, to me, that was not done in, in, a, in a deft manner, and I think, and I think Charlie, as Charlie pointed out, I think it probably does go back to hubris. Uh, having said that, he, he certainly has established his investing acumen at other points in his career. Um, you know, Bruce Berkowitz was famously oh. was fund manager of the decade, and then had like the worst 2011 yep. of anybody. But the Fairholme Fund is, and people were questioning his move to Miami, and was he making bad personnel decisions? Have he lost it? And he's come back very, very strong in 2012 and 2013. Um, so I would say it's it's uh, it's difficult to predict. Um, the market is, you know, if you're right 60% of the time, you had a great year. Bill Ackman's had a few high-profile flops. It doesn't mean he's necessarily lost it. But if I'm a prospective investor in one of his funds, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about how he's done his position sizing. By the way, Herbalife or Herbalife? Because you just went with both. I, well, that's because I'm, I'm hedging. <laughs> yeah, hedging. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it, we need a, we need a definitive statement on this. I think we do. Um, so if anyone could email us radio at fool dot com or you know uh, on Twitter at market foolery. If you, it, it seems like it's like Caribbean or Caribbean, it either works. Either at least that's what I'm hoping. Here's the headline that actually caught my eye this morning that made me very happy that you're going to be in the room today, Tim. Which because is, everyone else is out of the office. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a Bloomberg. I'm just going to hit you with the headline: German investor confidence up as euro area resumes growth. How how much growth is going on in Europe? How? Are, yeah, I mean, again, it, I don't want to jinx it, but is Europe led, being led by Germany? finally getting out of the doldrums, and that's putting it charitably, that it is seen over the last three to four years? The answer to that is I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, there have been a lot of different data points, or data points, if we're going <laughs> to pronounce words different ways, uh, coming out of Europe recently. I mean, if you look at the most recent earnings season, for example, um, you know, all of the consumer products companies, particularly the drinks companies like Coca-Cola, cited real weakness in Europe, citing weakening consumer spending and really bad weather. Um, that was echoed or reinforced by Adidas, which had really poor lagging sales in Western Europe. That got picked up elsewhere in the world. But then on the flip side, you had Todd's, which is an Italian luxury brand, which totally stabilized its Italian business. Some of that is tourism. Some of that was some structural things they were doing. So that was a bright spot, you know, and, and Adidas was probably more of a disappointment. Um, the consumer stuff was probably more of a disappointment. The stocks, though, are all up very strongly. Um, you know, and they say that the stock market is a forward-looking indicator, but in, in this way, it's almost like it, it, it's taken any good news it's seen and, and extrapolated it out and sort of discounted the bad news. It's like, ah, oh, it's a blip. Um, and that may be the case, but like I said, it's, it's, I think that the, the, the data is noisy, and it's, it would still pay in Europe to be um, cautious. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, 
you know, I pick stocks for our UK service over there. The FTSE's done very well over the last year or two. Um, but you still have to worry about the uh, just criminally high unemployment rates in Southern yeah. Europe. Uh, the debt-to-GDP ratios have not been fixed. Um, and so I think you almost get a um, – uh, you know, a, a sensitivity to hearing bad news all the time and where you get to a point where you just turn it out. It's been years and years of problems. And I think people want to latch on to some of the good news coming out there. Uh, we still see like the telecoms and the pharmaceutical companies saying Southern Europe is a problem for them. Uh, you know, every company you look at wants to say, hey, we're doing great in Asia. You know, America's going well for us and uh, tuck their European results under the rug a little bit. I mean, there are some exceptions to that, but, but I don't think they're out of the woods. But we did see in the most recent uh, round of numbers from the uh, U.S. automakers, Ford and GM, it really seemed like Europe was, if not necessarily a bright spot, certainly the best results they've had in a very long time. So I think you know part of it was people you know, trying well, to... Well, there's base effects also, right? I mean, right. if things have been bad for a right. while, then they any incremental improvement looks really strong. And, and so I think there's some of that going on. Um, yeah, I, but like I said, I don't think it's, it's hard right now to say definitively it's getting better or it's still really bad. I think it's muddling along somewhere right. in the middle. Some companies are you know a little bit optimistic. Some are fixing some operations. You know, the nice thing about if, if you're looking out five, ten years is that protracted downturns like the one they've had in Europe has caused a lot of European companies to not only have their stocks sort of underperform and potentially present bargains, but a lot of them have really rationalized their operations to cope in a leaner environment. And that sort of operating leverage will kick in as, as a recovery does take hold. And, and it doesn't really matter if it's this year or next year or three years from now. Um, you know, I, I think there are a lot, at least the companies that I've talked to over there, they've learned a lot about operating in a, in a leaner environment, controlling costs, but still being able to pursue some growth initiatives. Nestle is yeah, an example I, of I that. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Tim. Uh, what we saw here in the U.S. was that the strong got stronger, and that coming out of the financial crisis, the weak hands either went bankrupt yeah. or lost relatively to the strong companies, and I think you can see that play out in Europe as well. Uh, Charlie, you mentioned uh, Asia. Let's uh, wrap up there because shares of Yum! Brands are down this morning. Uh, and again, stop me if you've heard this, because sales in China uh, <laughs> were down last month for KFC and Taco Bell. And I don't think there is Taco Bell in China. Really? I believe it's KFC and Pizza Hut. I is believe, it Pizza Hut? Yes. Oh. I'm fact-checking you in real time here. Fact-checking me in real time. It's a good thing you're here. <laughs> um I made the point uh, to you this morning, Charlie. That we are we are just getting closer and closer to the one year anniversary of of David Novak, the CEO at Yum Brands, saying, uh, that, "You know this this bird flu in China, the problems with KFC. That's that's just a short term thing. We've we've got it fixed." But every month now, we're seeing these sales numbers come in, just getting well, not better. Well, um, on their uh, Q two call. Uh, just a month ago, they said that June was better than May, which was better than April, and it seemed like they hit bottom in the spring and were finally turning the corner. And then here we are with their July numbers actually uh, taking a step back in the other direction. Um, you know, I think the market does agree with management that they can turn around positive comps by the time Q4. Uh, numbers start coming around. Uh, I've always been a little skeptical of that this year, and I was actually hoping that the stock would get absolutely walloped because of that. <laughs> if it would take longer to fix the uh, problems with KFC than the market was expecting, uh, the stock's actually up eight percent this year. Um, but I don't know. I, I think if we get another month or two of really bad numbers, uh, the uh, market faith that the company's going to turn it around might start to get shaken. What do you think? Have I done my Yum Brands rant on market foolery? Um, 
Not, is that in the archives somewhere? Maybe in somewhere the archives, else? but but uh, go ahead. So, so here's my problem with Young Brand. <laughs> Should I get some coffee and just over, sit over back the, for a few minutes? <laughs> <laughs> over the past year, which is which is as Charlie pointed out, they announced these sales declines in like the last month. Of, it was like their Q3 or something last year, and basically said everything happened in the last month. It was December, and it, it was it was Q4 maybe, I, and everything happened in the last month, and it's fixable, and it's bird flu, it's macro, it's fine. And if you actually like dug into the numbers and started looking at where their sales were falling, in order to get to the overall sales decline that they reported, there's no way that it was only the last month. So, so their sales had started falling before they reported a bird flu issue. That's point one. Point two is that they spent like $800 million to buy a Chinese hot pot chain called Little Sheep a couple years ago. <laughs> That's right. And it was a, it's a big material purchase, yes. right? And they were very excited about it at the time. They paid a premium for it. Um, I know we know because that, you know asset in Motley Fool Independence Fund. We own shares of Little Sheep, and so Young took them away from us. And you know, at the time, I thought Young was doing a pretty good deal. But then Little Sheep just disappeared almost entirely from any of their SEC filings. And the few notes here and there basically showed if you if you compared what the implied sales that Young was reporting for Little Sheep with what Little Sheep was reporting before they got acquired, because they were listed in Hong Kong, Little Sheep sales were down. Which a company that had been growing double digits all of a sudden saw sales drop, fall, right? And then, you know, you, you had these other problems in China. You had the, the bird flu, and then the food safety thing, and then comps went down. And if you look at other restaurants in China that have had food safety issues, Adjacent is a noodle shop that got nailed for having broth that was instant instead of made from scratch at their stores, which isn't nearly as severe as what KFC was reporting um, in terms of like the issue. But Adjacent, basically, it, it caused their comps to decline for about 18 months. And so you had something starting before, something secular starting before there was any event-driven risk. You had an event that was probably going to take at least 18 months to resolve. And you had some structural issue at Little Sheep that was causing that to fall off. And to me, you put those two things together, and Yum has a serious problem in China that they have not been transparent with investors about. And I don't know if it's the people they have on the ground, if multinational brands are losing um, some of their influence, if they've overexpanded, or if they've you know, just seen more competition, or potentially you know, KFC and Pizza Hut are relatively expensive options in China, and the economy there has gotten weaker, and so there may be downtrading. And you know, the problem is it's hard to get an answer about what exactly is happening because I don't think management has been transparent about the depth of the problem that they're having in China and all the different places in their business that, 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 that that's touching. Because every month it's like, oh, it's going to get better next month. Yeah. It's going to get better. And then it doesn't. And I think they're – frankly, I would think their credibility by now should have taken a hit and, and the stock should have seen the, the sell-off that Charlie was hoping for. Um, for some reason, people are taking their word on blind faith. Um, I'd, be, I'd be more skeptical. And even if it were to sell off, I'd, I'd probably have to look really hard at the data trends in China because, you know, between KFC and Little Sheep, I just something seems weird. Well, yeah, and I was just thinking as you were talking That's about That's my it, end of rant. I was going to say, yeah. there, was, there was very restraint, uh, a lot of restraint in your rant. That was not, I, I feel like if Bill <laughs> Ackman goes on a rant, there's a lot more venom in his voice. You were, you were very controlled. It's all about temperament. It's all about temperament. No, but I was thinking as you were saying that, I thought, you know what? If this were Microsoft or Cisco Systems making an $800 million acquisition that then they never said anything else about, we would crucify <laughs> them and we wouldn't be the only ones. Yeah. So it is, it is a little surprising when you put that number behind it. Um, uh, by the way, I realized why uh, I made the mistake about saying Taco Bell. It's because uh, 
uh, obviously Yum Brands owns Taco Bell, but I wanted to get your your, your guys' thoughts on uh, a very hot topic, which is of course the waffle taco, which has been tested in three locations in Southern California, is now being rolled out to a hundred locations in Fresno, Omaha, and Chattanooga. And as I said yesterday, I'm not betting against them. Uh, one of our listeners tweeted a photo. He was in Fresno. He went out and like got it and said it tasted better than it looked, which is good because it really didn't look <laughs> mm. that good. Um, but I don't know. I, after the Doritos Locos Taco, I just I feel like you're crazy if you bet against food innovations from Taco Bell. Tim? I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, and then you go with the, the pancake taco. You can wrap up anything. <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting for the chicken and waffle taco. That sounds good. That I could go for. Sounds like a food truck you need to start. Yes. <laughs> there you go. You can read more rants and things that aren't rants from Tim Hansen at FoolFunds.com. I'll also be back tomorrow. You will be back tomorrow. Because everyone else is out <laughs> <of> the <laughs> um, But isn't everyone else at Motley Fool Asset Management out of the office? Or is Tony? Tony's down there. Tony's there. Tony's there. All right. Because, yeah, Bill, Bill Mann is off on vacation He's somewhere. He's in Taiwan. Bill Barker is doing, doing God knows what over he in the UK. He actually was visiting company, so he was being productive. Okay, so doing England. a little on-the-ground yeah. research over in the yeah, UK. Yeah, so we're not we're – not, we, are, we are performing our fiduciary responsibility downstairs at Mollyfield Asset Management. And as I believe he put on Twitter, Bill Mann may be bringing back uh, some goodies from the Far East. He better. Including – do I have this right? Seaweed-flavored Pringles? I believe that was the photo. I believe that's it. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Can you hear the excitement? <laughs> Tim Hanson, Charlie Travers. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>